tracking calories. So for a lot of my clients and for a lot of years, I have to admit, I was supporting them in tracking calories, aiming for lower calorie intake and getting weight loss. But as I learn, I do better for my clients. And as I work with more clients, you know, over the last 22 years, I see what works and what doesn't work. And on today's episode, I'm going to talk to you about why I don't suggest calorie counting and why it doesn't work for most people in the long term. You're listening to Healthy Mompreneurs Get Wealthy podcast with Kathy Richards, RD. As a registered dietitian with over 20 years of experience, I've helped thousands of people get healthier and ultimately wealthier. And now it's your turn, busy mompreneur. In this podcast, I'll be sharing with you my self-love journey back to health after years of stress and challenges, including living with a spouse with mental illness, suffering a concussion, learning to live with post-concussion syndrome, illnesses in my family, a death in my family, divorce, and more illnesses in my family. And all this with three kids under the age of 10. If anyone can show you how to thrive and not just survive through challenges and setbacks, it's me. Hi guys, welcome back to Healthy Mompreneurs Get Wealthy podcast with me, Kathy Richards, RD. Today I wanted to hop on and talk to you guys about calorie counting, my fitness pal, all those apps that, that are out there to support you on your weight loss journey and why I don't recommend them for most of my clients and what I do when clients come using it or wanting to go back to it. Okay, so stay tuned and I'll walk you through why that's not something that I routinely recommend. So I hope that it's great where you are. We are in April as I'm recording this, the third or second week of April, and we are going to get 25 degrees Celsius today, which is crazy. I still have snow in my side yard. I was too lazy this year to shovel a pathway to my shed. So that meant last weekend getting bikes out for the kids and having to climb like down an ice ice drift or snow drift to get into the shed. But thankfully that snow is melting and it's nice and warm. It's like summer. It's like we skip spring. And I was able to get one of my neighbors to help me lower the bike seat on one of the bikes today. So I'm going to have some happy kids when they come back and we'll all be able to enjoy the sunshine. So in today's episode, I wanted to take a few minutes and talk about calorie tracking, calorie counting. Um, I used to support clients in doing that. And I used to help them aim for, you know, 12 to 1500 calories for a female for weight loss, around 18, 15 to 1800 calories for a male for weight loss, blah, blah, blah. I am sorry. If you're a previous client who I supported in tracking calories, I am sorry. It doesn't work. And when we look at the health at every size um, theory or approach, it's really clear why it doesn't work. Because if we set our body up to be in a calorie deficit, our body changes in response to that. 
So if you do a calorie deficit for a week, it lowers your basal metabolic rate, so just the energy your body needs to function, by 6 to 16% in that first week. So basically your body's going to say, oh, I'm going to hang on and I'm going to reduce my metabolism because the calories are less. Oh no, is there a famine coming? What's happening? I'm going to hang on and I'm going to make the body use less energy in order not to reduce its weight too much. And then if you continue that calorie deficit, that basal metabolic rate continues to decrease. So that's number one why I'm not recommending it because it's actually teaching your body to go into this state where it slows everything down in order to hang on to calories. And that's why I talked about set point theory recently and I have a great example of that from yesterday. So we know over time if we continue to diet, our body continues to rebound in weight and often it will rebound higher than it started at. So here's an example. A client I worked with recently um, has lost 52 pounds in the last two years and has maintained that, but now they're wanting to go a bit lower. So when we talked about their weight, they were at a certain weight and felt that that was still too high based on BMI and, and doctor's feedback. So I said to her, like, so what did you weigh like 15 years ago? Like, where was your weight and where was it consistently at? Like did, that you didn't feel like you had to overexercise or undereat. You just kind of lived your life and your weight was at that point. That's what we call set point. And when we looked at that, that's the exact weight that she is right now. And her body's gone through a few pregnancies in the meantime. So her body is very likely plateaued because it's at a weight where it feels comfortable. So further restricting calories isn't necessarily going to lead to weight loss. And it's going to lead to reducing that basal metabolic rate and actually making the body hang on for dear life. So that is why calorie counting because it's usually, you know, set up for any tracker to be really low and really restrictive, like 1200 calories, a toddler needs that much. And if we're eating that much, then our body is going to go into slowdown mode, basically, and try to hang on. Also, it doesn't work because when we look at people that live in bigger bodies, their microbiome or the bacteria in their guts different, and they may actually hang on to energy differently and be really efficient at storing energy versus people that live in thinner bodies. So how can calorie tracking help with that, right? Plus, like most people are under eating and over exercising. And calories is like one piece of the puzzle. And then it's an external piece of the puzzle. You know, so when people are calorie counting quite often, they might feel hunger at some point, but oh, if they've already eaten over their calories for the day, then they won't fuel themselves. They may, you know, be socially out with people. Food may present itself, but if it doesn't quite fit into the macros that they have left, then they'll deny themselves that food. But what quite often happens after that is that craving continues to be there. And when they go home, they may overconsume other foods to account for that food that they didn't eat. 
So if they'd actually satisfied that craving in the first place, we would also be curious about why that craving came. If you want to learn about that, go back an episode because I talked about that on the last episode. But when we deny ourselves that satisfaction from food, our body's still going to want us to get that. So that can lead to um, eating later on. That can lead to nighttime hunger. I've seen that in clients that are, you know, trying to eat well and kind of eat based on what they think other people think, you know, at family functions. And then they're up in the night, they find themselves up eating a bag of chips just to get themselves through. But if they'd actually fueled themselves and ate what they wanted and not worried about the quote-unquote food police from the other people in the in the social gathering, then they would have been satisfied. So calorie counting is eating based on external cues. And the research is clear. Like if we eat based on internal cues, our body's happy. Our body's going to go to that set point where it's happy and it's going to stay there. And we're going to be able to maintain our weight versus losing weight and regaining and going above and beyond. So it can sound scary sometimes to let go of some of those external guardrails a lot of my clients refer to them as. It feels like safety, right? To kind of know this is what I eat, this is when I eat, and this is how often I eat. And it's not that gentle nutrition doesn't look at the balance of some things, but it's that there's more flexibility and there's more enjoyment. Like joy and food, I want those to be connected for you. And if you don't feel joyful around food, go to the show notes, book a call, book a free joyful eating call where I'm going to walk you through one way to find more joy in your eating experience. And, you know, that may be step one in your intuitive eating journey. Intuitive eaters aren't less healthy than non-intuitive eaters. They're actually, the research shows like cholesterol's improved, um, blood pressure's improved, self-esteem's improved, happiness is improved. There's so many benefits to letting go of the hold. Imagine how much time you have back if you let go of calorie counting, the diet mentality, the tracking foods. It's available. And I see it with the clients I work with all the time. I see how much happier they are, how much calmer they are at mealtimes. They're not making multiple meals for multiple people in the house. And just that sense of, of calm that comes with it. And it's, it's amazing. So joyful eating, I want that for you. If you're ready, hop on a free call and I can help you get there. And if you know someone who would benefit from this, feel free to share. As always, thanks for listening, and I will talk to you guys soon. And that's it for today's episode of Healthy Mompreneurs Get Wealthy Podcast with Kathy Richards, RD. If you found this helpful and you have a friend who may also find it useful, please feel free to share it with them. And don't forget to leave a review on your favorite podcast player because every month I choose one lucky reviewer and they get a free 60-minute one-on-one intensive where I help you identify the one thing holding you back from your health and wellness goals. Curious about intuitive eating? Ready to have more joyful eating without the guilt? Then go to my website and click on the link to book a free 30-minute call 
where I'll walk you through the first step.